That's fine. That, that's good. I don't have any notes. <laughs> Completely off, unscripted. Off the grid. <laughs> I just go off the cuff. I do most of the time. <laughs> Internet, uh, welcome to the Transatlantic Podcast, a conversation between two trans people from across the pond. My name is Luxander. I'm transmasculine and very American. I'm Kat. I'm a British trans woman from the British Isles. And that's the kind of day that it's going to be, everybody. <laughs> Fantastic start. I think we both we both overdid the alcohol a little bit this weekend. And we're recording on a Monday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's the kind of podcast that it's going to be today. So uh, today I think we are talking about dysphoria, right? Yes, we we plan to. We shall. We plan to. It's probably going to get a little bit rambly, but I think that's pretty normal for us, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, honestly, it could have been much worse. I almost had like a a bagel with like weed and and the butter last weekend and I didn't quite get that far. So it could have been a whole other level sleepy. Oh, okay. I was gonna, you know, you know, you know, like you sometimes you make a hash brownie and you cook it in the oh. mix. And oh, we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna stir it into some butter and spread it on a bagel. <laughs> that sounds great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we're we're awake. Dysphoria is it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Dysphoria, it does exist. Um, so I guess first thing is to if the people don't know which why would they not know but the people if the people don't know what dysphoria is we should probably tell them yeah we should okay do you want me to take the reins there a little bit yeah go for it all right so according to nhs.uk who's going different now we're gonna go the uk route it says Mm -hmm. gender dysphoria is a condition where a person's experiences discomfort or distress because there's a mismatch between their biological sex and gender identity first of all they use the phrase biological, biological sex, which I don't agree with, but I'm going to carry on. It's sometimes <laughs> known as gender identity disorder, GID, which isn't a term that's used anymore. Uh, gender incongruence or transgenderism, which is a weird way of typing that. Um, I, I have some weird feelings about that because I feel like it's a bit weird. It's like, I'm unsure for some people it is just unease or general dissatisfaction, as they say. But I'm, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've, I've, once I really identified the source, it sort of became more of a... And I noticed what it was. It was more of a sense of crushing hopelessness and pointlessness. And, <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm not, not laughing at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's just... It's different. Like, they, they make it makes it sound so frivolous, but it's really... A, it's, it's quite a crushing thing to go through. Yeah. I think that a lot of clinical descriptions of just basically any psychological disorder that can come across as really more mild than the actual symptoms are. And it's also good to point out that dysphoria runs a a gamut of like a spectrum, just like, just like every, everything else in the entire planet. Like, so you can have extreme, extreme dysphoria, or you can just have mild discomfort, or you could not necessarily have dysphoria, but know that if you had something different, you would have gender euphoria, which would be like, yeah. it's just the opposite of dysphoria. It's just being happy with your body. Yeah. I think we should point out, I guess, that you don't need to have dysphoria to be trans. And I, but I also feel like a lot of people, when they say, or they come up and they say, oh, I don't know dysphoria, and, they ask, and you ask them about their life experience, and what they describe sounds a lot like dysphoria to me. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I you don't, don't even know. You don't need it. You don't need to have it to be trans. But um, yeah. what you have might be dysphoria, even if you don't think it is. Yes, there was a really great post on uh, Zinnia Jones' blog um, many years ago now about not recognizing the signs of dysphoria um, because there's so much overlap. Like, I mean, dysphoria can cause depression, and they kind of feed back into each other negatively. So sometimes you might have symptoms that are similar to depressive symptoms, but until you figure out what it is, you don't know 
what the problem is. And then, and then you figure out, like, oh, I'm trans. And then you can isolate that the thing that was making you upset, or at least one of the things, was that you have this extreme incongruence between your brain and your body. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I feel like uh, uh, basically what transitioned for me is basically cured a lifetime of anxiety and depression, which is That's lucky cool. for me because most people that doesn't work out for, but it seems like that was the root cause of that. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, the weird thing about that is, and especially a few years ago, if you tell your gender therapist that you've got depressive symptoms or, or any kind of psychological condition, they tell you to bugger off and deal with that and come back when you've got treatment for that because that's just the way it is. And apparently you can't have two, men- two mental things that's going on at the same time. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. you got to play down that stuff and really play up the cross-dressing. Mm, yeah. Gatekeeping <laughs> is my favorite thing. It's so good. How helpful and great for all of us peeps. <laughs> all the peeps. All those peeps, the little candy birds <laughs> um we don't get them over here by the way you don't have we peeps over there no they're garbage anyway don't be sad they're garbage <laughs> it's a fucking marshmallow covered in sugar yeah but they're I'm hard like they're hard like ugh, most peeps like you gotta get them within like a week of them hitting the store shelves or they are unpleasant to eat <laughs> that's fair we've got cream eggs so it's not that bad yeah, you get fucking Cadbury eggs. I don't get those, so... Do you not get any cream eggs over there? Yeah. You see, now the American company bought them, but they use shitty chocolate in them instead. So we'll hopefully you'll be able to get them now that they've scaled them down for American audiences. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <sighs> so... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, That's we sad. got off on a tangent there. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, you said that basically like going through your transition effectively is the thing that cured like a lot of your symptoms of depression and anxiety yeah so I was wondering if you would go into more detail about that like because I find it really fascinating because I I don't really have dysphoria anymore or at least not very much but I'm still intensely depressed because my depression and anxiety are rooted in CPTSD and not my dysphoria so I'm interested in, in that well, basically, from the moment I started to hit puberty, as in wrong puberty, I basically turned into a big depressed mess. And um, like, I wasn't sure, like, why I was sad all the time, and I kept, like, having suicidal thoughts. I couldn't stop thinking about death, and I find it really hard to talk to people and go outside and I had to really put myself out there to make friends and be even a little bit sociable. And this carried on for years and eventually resulted in me being incredibly underconfident, extremely un- antisocial and getting bullied a lot, which exacerbated the symptoms. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. And then that went around. And then basically in my later teenage years, I dealt with that by partying a lot and drinking a lot and trying to forget about and trying to spend as little time with myself as possible. So I'm trying to think about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so that all came about. And then uh, basically what happened is that I got into a long-term relationship and started actually acting like a healthy adult. And I realised that, that everything was everything was about as good as it could be and that something was definitely nagging me and the trans thoughts kept rising to the surface and eventually they clicked. And I realised that most of, the, most of the stuff I was sad about was linked straight back to that, to how unhappy I was with my body, to how I didn't feel like I could be myself, how I didn't like that, how people saw me was didn't match me and didn't and made me feel crap. And basically through transitioning, I've gone, I've I went from so when I started transitioning, I should say like medically transitioning. I was doing a master's degree, and I get up and I had like lovely life and stuff. I get up and in the morning, I get in the shower. And I just think the whole time is, you hate yourself. You hate yourself. Why do you hate yourself? Oh, you're a terrible person. Why are you even here? And then, like, that really stopped after a while. Like, as, the, as my levels got better and as my, my body started to match my mind, like, that wasn't happening. I could, like, be by myself and still be healthy and not have those awful thoughts. And, and I became, like, a, I went from basically being in a really shy introvert who didn't feel like they liked people very much at all to being very extroverted person very bubbly and just wanting to do all the things and see people all the time and it's just an 
in, in ridiculous when I think about my mental state two years ago and now. And, like, as much as the physical things are easy to see, like, a lot of the difference is that I just come across as much happier. And I am much happier. And I feel sort of... In a way, I'm sort of... I'm, I'm really amazed by it, but at the same time, I sort of... I do feel sort of bad about it because I've still got a lot of friends that still suffer through that sort of thing. And when I feel like... And I feel like... And they describe their symptoms, and I sit there, and I'm... I just... I don't know. I don't... I, I, I really wish I wasn't the only person who had have this sort of around me who could like have just taken this just done this made this life change and suddenly all my problems basically just melted mm-hmm. it seems like completely counterintuitive and then I sit there with people that like I thought were fine at the time and they knew I was going through something and they opened up to me and so now I'm fine and now they're and they're there and I can't I can't I can relate but I can't say I feel the same way anymore because I don't it's it's yeah. weird and it's fascinating and I don't know if that's just me. I see it described a lot, but like, basically, I just I'm a completely different person inside my head. Maybe people who think I'm the same way and then my personality is fairly similar, but I'm a very different person inside my head and I'm a lot healthier for it. Yeah, I I, under, I understand completely what you mean. Um, feeling like you're a different person in your head because yeah, like I mean when you're constantly plagued with depressive thoughts especially suicidal thoughts like when that pressure is like up like when that pressure gets let off yeah it's like your brain it's like it's kind of like the depression is like if you think of the inside of your skull as a physical space Mm. the like depression and anxiety bullshit is like the it from the edges of your skull all the way to the very middle of your brain where Mm. that is where you are yeah and it's constantly smothering you, and so <laughs> if you if you get to a point where you don't have so much depression and anxiety, then your your little self that's been crushed into a tiny little thing can start to expand out again. Yeah, and it really does feel like you're a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. and that's I a feel fantastic that metaphor, in the opposite. actually. Yeah. Do what? That's a fantastic metaphor. Like <laughs> perfectly describes I mean, I- it. I- pretty much what it feels like i i have been getting steadily more and more and more crushed by my depression and anxiety so i don't feel like the same person i was like but my metric is more like i'm not the same person that i was like nine years ago yeah like because that's basically when my depression hit me like a truck and then it was a few years after that that dysphoria hit me like a truck Mm. yeah (laughs) it's fun yeah, mental mental illness. It's it's fun. It's not fun. But <laughs> no. uh, oh, did you have a moment with like your dysphoria that like one single moment where it clicked that you were like, oh shit, this is dysphoria. I'm trans. Or did was it more like slow build up sort of thing? And everything fell into place basically just with me realizing I could do it and seeing other people that transitioned on the internet and stuff. And once I realized I could do it then everything sort of made a lot of sense and all my depressed episodes, the way that I looked at my body and hated myself, the way that when I when my ex first put um, makeup on me, I just cried in the mirror because I didn't look like what I hoped I looked like makeup on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, all the, all, everything started falling into place for a while. I, I took a few of the birth control pills at some point and stuff, and, like, I couldn't have told you why at the time. And it's, like, all this, like, stuff that would... Like, red flags, red flags all over the place, and it just fell into place. Like there are places, there are times in my life where I can, like, I can see it getting really bad, and I didn't put my finger on it. There was a certain point where um, a friend of mine, well, not a friend of mine, I barely knew the guy. Someone I knew from school had basically passed away, and I sat there. And before that, I was thinking, I really don't feel like I'm alive. Like I'm going through day to day, going through the motions, and everything's like a fog, and it's like I'm constantly walking through this fog. And, like, there's a barely, there's a little bit of me standing out, and I sort of felt like like an insect, you know, like like I, bar- like I was barely alive. Like, there's barely an experience happening there. Like, I'm just a biological, organi- a biological happening, going through, like, eating, sleeping, eating, sleeping, eating, sleeping. And I didn't feel yeah. there was a life there. And when, I, when this person died, I sort of took a look at myself and said, I can't live like that anymore. And I started trying to be active and trying to do things for myself and trying to feel more alive and I don't think that ever really 
went away and even though I was really trying to do it until I start transitioning and suddenly I feel like I've got a life I feel like a person and so I knew that I always knew there was something happening at some point I'd gone to my doctor before and I told them about what I was going through and they said you probably have depression do you want pills for it and I was like oh no 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 and I walked away and I mm. couldn't have told you why I walked away because I if like because I guess there's something something deep inside of me that didn't think that was the answer it's really tricky because I feel like um, it's one of these things. Are you still online? Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just did a beep. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, I just, like, stopped being able to hear you for a second there, so. Oh, shit. Well, hopefully I'm still alive. Um, I feel like this. <laughs> I feel like to borrow a <clears throat> metaphor used in different circles, I feel like dysphoria is like one of the, like, it's like, it's like the unsinkable rubber ducks, you know, like James Randi always used to say about charlatans and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like that. It's like you push it down, and for a while it's gone, but it'll always come back. And, like, if you don't treat it, like, you go down and for a while you feel okay, and then it's back, and you wonder why suddenly you're feeling so crap again. It's like, well, if you're not treating the, sim- the cause, it's not going to go. I don't know if that's yeah. a good metaphor, but it's, it's like for so long, it's just like, I'll do this, I'll make this change, and I'm wondering why I still felt that way. And for a while, I just accepted that I'm just a really depressed person, but apparently not. Apparently, I'm quite happy when I actually, when my probably matches my mind. So, yeah, this got heavy, but... <laughs> well, I mean, it's dysphoria. Did you expect it to be a light topic? No, I did not. And okay. I would like to shift the gears a little bit. Because I feel like as a non-binary person, you probably have, like, more to say in this area. Because I've been... I've met a few gender-fluid people this year. And I can't imagine how difficult that is, like, getting dysphoria and being gender-fluid. Like, waking up by being fine one day with your current presentation and then waking up and having to change it suddenly and not matching it. Like, from what I hear, like, dealing with dysphoria as a gender-fluid person is really difficult. And I imagine, that like, being non-binary, it's a sort of similar-ish thing. Well, I mean, being gender-fluid is, like, um, under the subset of non-binary. And yeah. I, I did identify as somewhat gender-fluid for a little bit, at, like, towards the beginning of me realizing that I was trans. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think that, that, that I considered myself gender-fluid because, I mean... At first, I thought I was a trans man, and then I would be like, but I like I like this skirt a lot, like, quite yeah. a bit, actually. I really like wearing it. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> so I think I got gender fluid out of that because I was, like, not exactly sure where I was, and I felt a little bit different from one day to the next, but it was never, like... It, it's not like some people who will be, like, outwardly presenting as like male one day and then the next day they're outwardly presenting as female yeah i never had that yeah at least i don't think um but yeah dysphoria is really interesting and difficult to parse out when you're non-binary because well and this is probably a problem for binary trans people too who don't have very much dysphoria um it's really tough to figure out like what like what exactly is making you upset and like, which things are you going to be okay with in five years? And like, yeah. for a long time, I really, 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 really wanted to have a mastectomy, like, so badly. And mm-hmm. I don't feel that way at all anymore. And I was yeah. basically like, if there is ever a day where I don't feel like I want to get rid of these things, like, then maybe I'll reconsider my position. So I, I basically just sort of ended up fading away before I even yeah. started taking hormones. And now I, like, actually really enjoy having boobs. I don't know, like, even though, like, if I were to get surgery, it would have to be peri or keyhole or something like that. So my sensation would be more or less intact. But, like, the sensation is part of it. But also, like, squishy fun bags. I don't know. They're great. I like them. (laughs) (laughs) I like them on other people. I like them on me. But, uh, and and it's also difficult for non-binary people. And I've actually spoken to several people who have, like, a serious issue with this that I didn't have but like not being able to figure out what changes you're going to be okay with on hormones yeah if you're non-binary for example like I miss my curves like I I I have them still because my 
physical bones of my hips are sticking out. And, yeah. like, maybe this partially to do with me being super underweight right now anyway. But I, I do miss having curves, and I miss having fuller breasts because they're a lot saggier now. And mm-hmm. some of my friends are like, I can't handle the the genital growth. Like, And I'm like, I don't, I can't empathize with you there, but I'm going to try to be sympathetic. I'm like, I'm not asexual, yeah. so that's the thing that some other people are, like, uncomfortable with. And I'm like, well... You can't pick or choose. Like, yeah. that's the difficult thing. You have to either decide to go on hormones and deal with all of the changes or go on it for a little while and then taper off of it. Like, whatever. I, I don't even know if I'm going to be on tea for the rest of my life. It's annoying to not know for sure. Yeah. But I just, I have a tendency to try to pay attention to myself and let things, just sort of let myself go with the flow. It's, it's weird, though, because I'm, I'm just going to... I'm just abruptly changing gears because I have ADHD. Anyway, um, <laughs> the onset of my dysphoria was really weird in that I don't remember having any issues or thinking about it before. But mm. this is... That was also true of me being not heterosexual. Uh, like, when I was still a girl identified as a youngling and, like bisexuality was brought to my attention and I was like oh 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 okay yes that (laughs) (laughs) but I never really thought about it before and I think that that just might be a product of uh child abuse like I don't know I I was so depressed and freaked out all the time when I was a kid that I didn't have like I just didn't think about it I don't know it was weird And then my friend at the time, or someone who I was friends with at the time in high school, came out as a trans man initially, and then I think more non-binary later on. Uh, And it was like about six months after they came out that I was like babysitting, or I mean, I I was more like nannying for like a week at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, so for part of the day, I would be by myself because this, I would take the girls to like their summer school for like the first half of the day or whatever. Mm. And it was during this time that I was just sitting by myself doing kind of nothing and, you know, dicking around on the internet and everything that like, I don't, it was like just one day, one moment of like literally like a fucking tsunami tidal wave. When I say di- when I say dysphoria hit me like a truck, I fucking mean it. Like, yeah. there was nothing, and then all of a sudden I hated everything about my body. Mm. It was very weird. And so it's strange to go from, like, 100% uncomfortable with everything about my body and then yeah. have that fade away over time to a point yeah. now where I'm like, my voice was the only major problem, really. I mean, it was one of the major problems. Mm. And... It's resolved mostly to my satisfaction at this point. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was the biggest thing that I was dysphoric about was my voice and um, Mm. social dysphoria more than anything, I think. Yeah, humans are complicated. Yeah. Oh, that's also another interesting point to bring up that uh, there, not only does dysphoria refer to your physical comfort with your body, but you can also Mm. use it to refer to your comfort with how other people gender you. So that's yeah. social dysphoria. Mm. I get that every time. I think most trans people do get that every time you're misgendered or perceived as the gender you were assigned at birth. And that's really fucking tricky. Especially in early yeah. transition where, you're gonna, where it's going to be a lot more likely and it's happening all the time. But like even later on when, you, when you're more like perceived as, the, as, um, as your own gender... And then like you're, you're feeling great all the time. And then just one, once in a while someone will... Someone will clock you as they say and it just it can knock the confidence right out of you like it can send me it can send me like back like to five years ago straight away for a few hours I can just like go home and just like cry to myself for a few hours and I'm back to myself tomorrow and like yay but mm. oof what happens it does set uh, you back quite a bit it really can it's really tricky um yeah I was interested when you said that um once the, basically once the voice is coming coming on, you sort of um felt a lot better about it. Because I sort of the way that I've sort of come through this is that 
when one major source of dysphoria goes down, I find another. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. As soon as yeah. you don't have one thing to be depressed about, you find something else. I'm dealing with that right now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, brains. Yeah. Like, like whether it's my, my facial hair or my voice or, something like, um, or like my very fairly, my not very well developed breasts or like recently, like most of that stuff is actually getting on apart from my voice isn't quite there. And it's like, <sighs> I, and I, and it's like, like last week, the other week I was in a gay bar and I was um, kissing someone and they were grinding on me and my tuck came loose. And Ooh. that I've not noted out of a potential romantic encounter so quickly in my life. Um, <laughs> it was like, like she was going trying to grind on me and the thing down, I was in the way and I just thought my, my whole body froze and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I cannot be romantic with this thing around. I cannot pretend that it's not in there and in the way. And for the first time in... It's not the first time. I've always been dissatisfied with it, but I've never wanted it gone so fucking bad as that moment. When you realised it's actually interfering with your ability to be intimate. To be intimate. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't think I'm ever going to be able to be properly... I don't, I don't say ever, like, you never say never, but, like, I do feel like it's a huge obstacle. And when I was with my ex, like, I was, I was always much less into sex than she was. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that I didn't like what I was using and I didn't find myself sexy. And mm-hmm. I sort of feel that, like, I've been... I've not been into it with many people since, but it's, like, I'm not as interested in stuff being done to me as stuff does doing stuff to other people because I just don't want the stuff don't, don't it's not like I don't I don't mind I don't mind it being touched but it's just not it's not sexy to me uh, yeah that's not a, that's not uncommon at all are you uh lesbian identified or yeah okay um I wouldn't I was, I'd never uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say never but like I've never been attracted to a dude I was wondering because I was engaged in a discussion recently that was about you know, quote unquote genital preference, which is yeah. oh, always such a fun thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah. po- it was pointed out in the thread, like it, because this conversation lately has been revolving around cis lesbians. Yeah, and cis lesbians try to deflect by being like, "Well, what about straight men?" It's like, "Well, straight men aren't." getting together in turfy groups and doxing people and being shitty. So, yeah, we're talking about you right now. (laughs) And, like, one of my very good friends who's a trans woman um, pointed out that, like, okay, yeah, you cis lesbian don't want a penis involved in your sex life. Well, guess what? Like, a lot of fucking trans women don't want penises involved in their sex lives either. Yeah. That's just the thing that they have to deal with. And, yeah, it's so it's an unreasonable expectation, and it's not like any given trans woman is able to just do something about it immediately. Like, yeah, sure. give me, give me like 80 grand. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the thing. I feel like this needs sort of needs to be addressed because it's going to come up. If not, the thing is with genital preference is I don't think it's transphobic to not find penises attractive. It's, but if you've, if you've known someone, like if you've fallen in love with them and stuff and you think that the hottest thing in the world and then you find out they're trans and you decide, and then that's it. Like, Oh, I can't. Like, what's changed? The only difference there is that you knew they were trans. Especially for post-op trans women, that's the weirdest thing. Yeah, it's like, I don't have a, I don't have a dick. The fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I can understand people not being attracted to penises, but, like, because a lot of people aren't. <laughs> that's just a fact. But well, if, you, okay. if, you, if you can't be not be... If you're not attracted... You can be... And you, the thing is, if you've not seen that bit down there, then you, then you can still be attracted to them. So it's a bit... It's, if, you can't, if you can't say, oh, I don't find you attractive because you've got one, because that's not how attraction works. Like, the attraction is different. It's the whole thing. But I understand why you'd not want a penis involved in your sex. Yeah, I'm sure that you have a very vivid understanding of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I, I, Something I'm not, I think... I'm not, too, I'm not too anti-penis, honestly. I just attracted to women. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, fuck, my life. My brain. Where was Mm-mm. it going? I don't know. Uh, oh, I don't actually um, understand. Well, maybe because I'm queer or like pan or whatever. That yeah, I don't. Who who is attracted to anybody's genitals? They're not there to be pretty. <laughs> That's not what they're for. They're not for you to look at it and be like, mm, 
I want, mm-hmm, yes, that. No, it's, <laughs> it's not what it's for. It's for doing the thing. It's yeah. like literally, I, so that's something that I sometimes don't understand when mm-hmm. in conversations about genital preference, it's like genitals are not supposed to be pretty. They're not supposed to be attractive. Neither a vagina nor a penis is a beautiful, wonderful gift to the fucking world. Like, I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe There's some I don't know. I'd like you to see at some point. <laughs> That's gonna... That are good looking? <laughs> I, I don't think I'll be able to get the people's permission for that. But Yeah. Well, they, they only have the audio. <laughs> That's fine. They don't know. They don't know that I'm looking. <laughs> I'll just, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll ring them up now. Um, no yeah i mean i'm not saying that i like okay for personal okay i kind of get it a little bit because like i do think that like my partner's dick is pretty amazing but that's just because i've had sex with him a lot yeah (laughs) and i really like doing oral so it's a combination of things yeah but it's it's not like that's primary focus of my attraction to him at all it's just Mm. a piece of the puzzle i guess that's the thing. You know, most people wouldn't date someone who had like a, an amazing genitals and a horrible everything else. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people would, but that's a different thing. And sexuality is weird and complicated, and it's you know it's hard to like I'll say like all, all people like this because you're never going to find someone else who's the exception. Yeah, there, there's always going to be an exception to break the rule when it comes yeah. to sexuality and sexual preferences and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> highly subjective. Um, Mm. But that's sort of that's sort of a derail. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing is like, yeah. Besides besides all of that, besides all of the sex stuff and all of that stuff, and even the, and even with all the stuff that can be changed with um, hormones, there's still like obviously there's going to be parts that, especially you've gone through puberty like completely, first puberty completely. There's going to be stuff that maybe you can't change the stuff that HRT won't change. So mm-hmm. with trans women, like vo- your voice is, has to be worked on specifically and it can be very difficult. Um, broad shoulders and stuff won't, won't go away. They, well, they might go away if it's got a lot due to muscle and fat and I've lost a lot of shoulder due to muscle and fat, but my shoulders, bone-wise, are still very broad. Mm-hmm. For um, people who are assigned female at birth, the same can be said about the hips. If you got really bad dysphoria about your hips, like if you've gone through full puberty, like your hip bones aren't getting any narrower but the fat padding around them will narrow. And I feel like a lot of that is a problem for a lot of people, but it yeah. can be alleviated by fat redistribution and stuff like that. There's um, also height dysphoria, which yeah. you can't do anything about. Yeah. I've never had that one. I don't, I don't know as bad about that one, but it's more of a problem for trans men. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess, I guess so. Cause so many of them are very short and yeah, it's a thing. It's a fucking problem apparently mm. with men. They're like, I'm not tall. But, I mean, I say that it makes no sense, but then I actually know women who are like, I won't date someone shorter than me, and I'm like, oh, well, you're an asshole. I've heard that the other way around as well, though. Like, everyone's like, saying, oh, I won't date X because X. And they're like, and like, I just feel like, I feel the same sort of way about that I do about any, like, people saying, oh, I have a type and things like that, because I don't know. I feel like this is going to piss someone off, but I don't feel like people have types, per se. Like, you're attracted to who you're attracted to. And if you, it's, I feel like there's really, confirm, it, you are applying confirmation bias to yourself. Like if you're just there and like, oh, I don't find these people attractive except for this person, this person, or this person, this person, or this person. And it's like, well, then you, you don't have a type. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's possible to have a type, but only, only in retrospect. Like, I don't yeah. think that, I don't think it's possible to like, okay, there was a time in my life when I was pretty sure that the only persons that I wanted uh, at all in, in any way were, like, emo boys, mm. and that was it. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was the thing that I was going for, and then that's, obviously, it didn't go that way, because Deegan never even had an emo phase, which I don't understand, but whatever. And then the emos um, went extinct, which was very sad for everyone. Well, oh, I just had a really, that was bad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, what? The emos went extinct, yeah. cat. Yes. Yes, they you, did. You know one of the main things that was a stereotype about being emo? Oh. Uh, oh. Are you, are, you, are you getting it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is one of those kinds of episodes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 
Oh, oh darkness, no. my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to get some that water. Feels... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sounds good. Good luck adding that one later. Cat. That's me good. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be oh. fun. <laughs> find a natural way to go back in after that. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any things so I've got down here for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any notes that you haven't had the chance to address yet? The problem with me taking notes is I tend to blast through them. Oh, you you're like okay. I had everything, and then I just said it all in five seconds. Pretty much. Okay. Um, like, well, I work on the pacing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's the pacing's usually pretty good. It's just that this time I've not prepared so much. Um, I was wondering if dysphoria, trans stuff in general, but dysphoria in particular, was sort of more widely known, whether um, it would whether it make it all, everyone's lives a lot fucking easier, basically. I mean, so I mean, on this bent recently where people were, um, there's a thing in England called PGCE, I'm, it's probably, I'm sure it's in Wales as well. I'm not sure if it's in Scotland because our education curricula are different. But um, where basically they, te- they teach non... Um, what's the word? Um, non non-usual, the, the, the Topics that are outside the usual, so you're not, not science or maths or English or anything. And okay. we'd have some things about some social issues mainly and how to save money and things like that. And they, but they touched on racism for a very short period of time, but not a whole lot. And I feel like that's a really good space to teach about LGBT issues in general, just so people can come out earlier. But especially for trans stuff, because that's the stuff, stuff that a lot of people come out with later because it does pull on you and no one really talks about it. Like, I feel like maybe it'll change now that, um, accepting, now that we're being more accepted. But I feel like you couldn't. You, people knew what gay people were, but no one really knew what trans people were when when I was growing up. Well, I guess I went to a Catholic school as well, which probably didn't help in the slightest. No. But all that space, all that time that we could have, that we, I spent learning, and no one told me about these things. If so, so I sit there and I think, and I think in myself that everyone wants to be a girl. Everyone thinks that well, every day, and everyone wishes they were in someone else's body and wish they could wake up with someone else and. When they blow out the candles, they wish they were a girl. Every, every boy does that. That's not true. But no. there was no one telling me that it wasn't. And that sounds silly to cis people, I think, because the, why would anyone think that? But if that's the only experience in your own head, that's all you're going to think about. And I just... I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about. And even, like, I know that not all trans people have dysphoria. But for those that do, it's a really really important issue. It's very, It can be very distressing. And if you don't know what it is, you can, it can lead to a lot of suffering and you're not going to seek treatment. And, that, you know, there's a reason why a lot, why, trans, why like 50% of trans people attempt suicide. And there's a reason why the success, of, the, success the rate of successful suicides is so low. And it's, yes, most of the, a lot of that is due to um, discrimination and people not accepting them and... But also, it's a lot of dysphoria can be crushing, and for a lot of people, it is basically it does basically lead them to decide they're going either going to kill themselves or they're going to transition. And a lot of people they transition and then they have to kill themselves because they're not accepted. But that's the thing; like it can get that bad, and it's got that bad for me before. I'm sure because they got that got, got to that for a lot of people who are listening. If and I'm going to say if I was going to say if anyone's listening, I know at least about seventy people listen to each episode now, at least. So. Cool. You people like, yeah, yeah. I don't have any numbers for iTunes, but um, SoundCloud gives me numbers because they're friendly. Because um, <laughs> it's not owned by fucking Apple? Yeah. Well, I'm using a Mac right now. I can't complain yeah, too much. You're like, I can't talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got an iPhone and a Mac. I can't really talk shit, but yeah. I feel like this needs to be talked about. And I feel like even when people are discussing trans topics and trans people become more widely accepted, a lot of the reason why people seem to think that it's not so much a big deal is they seem to see it as people, like, choosing to be a different gender or sort of feeling like a girl or feeling like a boy. And it's... It is that in the sense that you can feel like anything, but it's the same way... way same, I feel the same way about that the same way people, when people say identify. Because identify means am. You identify as a human being. 
you identify yeah. as someone who lives on Earth. But when someone says identify, people, it, because it sounds a bit flimsy, people always picture it like, oh, I woke up today and I felt a bit like a calendar. And it's like, <laughs> that's not what it means. And I feel like we need to move away from that sort of language. And I feel like people understanding dysphoria would help, help people understand a bit more. People who are the people who make the attack helicopter means and stuff like that, they don't understand that for a lot of us, like, the other option is suicide. For a lot of us, every day without this, without without transition, is horrific, painful, and just crushing. And I feel like it's a lot easier for people to understand why you'd want to change something about yourself that makes you want to die, than if it's just than, than what they think was you to think at the moment, which is just you wake up one day and you think, oh, this ain't right, and you change it, which is perfectly valid. But people don't accept perfectly valid answers; they accept answers that really make you think and really, really crush it down for you. So it's simple and easy to understand. And and for a lot of people, it is like that. It is like Atlas having the world on his shoulders. It's the weight constantly crushing you down. You barely be able to get out from under it. Yeah, yeah, I do think that that's. I do think that there does need to be more just awareness about trans people in general because our media representation is still more or less, and we, we, we still need to do an entire episode on this, but it's still yeah. incredibly reductionist. It's either the entire story is about the fact that the person is trans or like it's, it's like a tragedy or it's the punchline to a joke. Like that's pretty much what we have in terms of media representation for the most part for the past 20 or 30 years. Yeah. So it's tough to break away from that when you've got the media doing that and then you've got this incredibly hostile political climate and like and this is something that like YouTube is it's got this restricted mode that is used in libraries and at schools and a lot of LGBT people's channels are just not even searchable, which is ridiculous because, like, Chase Ross is a, an educator. He makes videos specifically for educating LGBT youth. Like, not all of them, but a good portion of his videos are for educating LGBT youth and making sure that they know that this is, like, a thing that you know, other people like them exist and there's ways to get treatment and you can have a support network even if you don't have access to that stuff yet. But if you've got, like, a society that's decided that our existence is, like, somehow inappropriate for children, like, because it's inherently sexual or something like that, then it really puts a big stumbling block in the way of getting getting it into the classroom yeah. if they won't even let it be on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's a part of this whole thing about the whole the whole thing that it's about like lifestyle and stuff. And I guess I think that's probably the tag we use on SoundCloud because it wasn't a better word for it. But like, life—that's the thing. Like, if it's not a way of life, it's just a way. It's just who you who you are. And even even all that stuff, like you you wouldn't ban um, sports in restricted mode, and that's much more frivolous than who you are as a fucking person. Yeah. I don't know. That whole thing really, really pissed me off. And the, I mean, the YouTube say that say they're fixing it. They said they all oh, we've noticed now, but they also said it's been there for like ten years, which is even more worrying that they haven't thought it needed fixing before. Yeah, it had been there for a few years. I don't know. I think that. I mean, I actually don't really know why it recently got so much publicity after being around for a while, but. I mean, I think it was just that maybe, like, one or two people were like, oh, restricted mode is a thing, and then they were like, I'm curious, and then, like, a whole bunch of LGBT people were like, um, all of my fucking videos are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not cool. Yeah. I mean, I like, my channel was hit with it, too, um, not quite so badly as some other people's, but, like, I, I was, I took screenshots of it in restricted mode and then put it back on regular so that I could see... What, the gaps, like, see what was missing. Yeah. And I, like, literally cried at the fact that my one-year-on-T, like, time-lapse video was not available in restricted mode. Like, I literally want to cry right now thinking about yeah. it. I don't know why, but it's, it's really insane. upsetting. I think it was Neon Fiona that spotted it, um, as far yeah. as I can tell. They made a video. She made a video about it. Um, like, everything talking about her relationship with, like, Riley Dennis and stuff was just taken down. It was like, oh, holy shit. 
And then everyone oh, else. Oh, is that Riley's with... girlfriend? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, fair enough, of course. Yeah, right, right. One thing I did uh, want to bring up was that I, in my particular experience with gender dysphoria, uh, my bottom dysphoria was really bad for a while and then went, like, away completely. And then now, like, I've been on tea for almost two years. It'll be two years on May 1st. And, uh, like, I've had some bottom growth, but, like... Not a whole lot, and yeah. the podcast that I that I listened to otherwise, like, both of those guys had, like, a fairly st- substantial amount of growth because they come from families with, like, men who are just, like, <laughs> big-dicked people. Hung. Do what? Hung. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big-dicked dudes. Um, <laughs> so I think that I just am lacking a genetic predisposition for having a big dick. And yeah. Like, the fact that other, the fact that some trans men can actually use their material, their original material, like, for penetrative sex is Mm. something that has been giving me dysphoria because I want to be having sex with women. Like, I'm not having very much luck meeting women, but, like, there's something, it's not like I feel bad about, like, I don't feel always bad about not having a dick or, like, I don't know, I don't feel bad about my original shit like if I were to get any kind of surgery it would be like I would I would have like a penis created but leave off the uh, like other part and then yeah not have a vaginectomy probably because mm. it's mostly a sexual thing for me yeah which kind of sounds weird but I want to throw it out there because it's it's just as legitimate to be dysphoric about a part of your body for sexual reasons as it is for any other reason. And, like, there are people who are asexual and still really feel like they need to have bottom surgery. Yeah. And it has to do with them feeling comfortable in their bodies, whereas for me it has more to do with, like, there's things that I imagine myself to be able to do or that I imagine myself that I should be able to do, but I can't. Yeah. And I also don't have any prosthetic for that. So, uh, like, that's the thing that's been bothering me lately that... I am actually having a little bit of a recurrence of dysphoria that I just hadn't dealt with for a while mm. because I know that I would have, like, extreme gender euphoria if I was able to have penetrative sex yeah, like that. Mm. But the surgeries are not where I need them to be anyway as far as sexual function. You can get, so even you if can I get had the money... Function with, we can get um, function with phalloplasty, right? You can get... Um, well, you, you have the, like... There's a really increased loss of sensation, or at least an increased risk of loss of sensation, unless, like, the place does microsurgery, which, uh, of course, is becoming more common because you want to have as many nerves linked up together as you can, but yeah. it's it's expensive and usually pretty debilitating, and, like, I don't have money for that shit, and nobody's going to cover it because that's how it works. Yeah, I forgot you're in a... Yeah, that's an American thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Can't get surgery. That's an American thing. No, I, 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 I feel, I feel you there. I mean, like I, feel, I, even before I was getting annoyed with my downstairs for different reasons, I was always there sexually. Like I could never, I never really, I don't know. Like I, I always, people always described it as being like the best thing in the world, and I just never understood. I was never as into it as my partner was, and I, a lot of that has just to do with not being like I'd imagine myself being in the other situation, and I knew what that was. I knew what turned me on. It's just I didn't make the link there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully getting that changed, but yeah, no, I, I get it. It makes sense. And I feel uh, that's completely valid. Um, I was also like, this is the point you bring up about genetic predisposition is important. And I feel like it's important to note that those who are not far into transition and are worried about the size of maybe penis or boobs or whatever is that. There's lots of cis girls or and cis guys who are, who who feel inadequate too, and it's part of it is transition. Part of it is just being alive and having 
to put up with traditional beauty standards and um, attractiveness standards and stuff like that. Um, I never had a very big penis, and I'm fine with that now. But um, for a while there, you, see, you know, you hear people talk about it, and they talk about it like it's the best thing in the world, like, oh, well, small ones are terrible, big ones are great. And it's just... And I didn't feel like the... I guess because I didn't, wasn't that bothered about it. I wasn't that bothered about, as bothered about it as most people would be. But there's still that pressure there, that pressure to be... To have a long one and stuff like that. And they're worried that you won't be able to please someone if you don't. And I sort of feel the same way about my boobs now. Like, they're not very big. And I know I'm quite early on, so it's fine. And they might get bigger. But if they don't, that should be fine too. And I, the fact that I'm not fine with it um, is not just dysphoria it's also societal and I feel like a lot of the time when I do look at them I do feel good about it but at the same time if I if I would much rather have much bigger ones uh, (laughs) I can actually empathize on that point (laughs) (laughs) thank you Uh, it's it's difficult and it's difficult to get used to because it's I mean it takes a long time for cis people to get used to their bodies especially after puberty and stuff and we've we've got a long a lot more time to sort of have to get used to it, and especially if you start to get used to it, and then it changes again, and you've got to get used to it again, and mm-hmm. you can get your hopes up, or you can your hopes can go down, you can accept things the way they are, and they change, and you get your hopes up again, and it's tricky and it's hard, and it's you know a lot of people describe like parts of adulthood as just like sort of discovering yourself and discovering who you are and finding a way to be comfortable in your own skin, and feel like that's very tricky for people who are transitioning, and mm-hmm. for those that are comfortable that's going to get like a sort of feel like I'm becoming a lot of it is sort of reconciling the fact that you're not quite there yet and you're not quite done yet and to be okay with the fact that there's still work and progress to be made but to enjoy the bits that you that have come a long way and the bits you do enjoy yeah it can be tough because like you said like you'll have one thing that you fix and stop being dysphoric about and then once that's fixed like your brain's like, oh, by the way, here's a different thing that's also a problem, and you're going to feel equally bad about that, regardless yeah. of <laughs> its relative importance to yeah. the last thing that you were worried about. Yeah. Like, I'm sure once I've got <sighs> the downstairs surgery, I'll have to I'll be, have to start saving up for facial feminization at some point, which will be, be fun, because that's ridiculously expensive. But that's, oh, God, yeah, fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I don't, my face isn't that bad, but... <laughs> Listen, there's always I, I something else you can do. Yeah, I think your face shape has actually come along quite well. Like, you have a Thank very feminine-looking face now, yeah. But yeah, like, bones... That's another thing you cannot change without surgery is, like, your bone structure in your face, which is a big problem for a lot of trans women who have, like, a big brow. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite lucky in the fact that I have, like, quite a androgynous facial structure, and I always sort of have. Like, I don't have any prominent skull bones. Like, my, I, I have, like, quite deep set eyes and but that's about it and like I have small eyes because that's not because that's a testosterone thing like all the women on my mum's on my mum's side seem to have that and most dudes too <laughs> I'm yeah. quite lucky in that respect but I oh you know the thing is that if you stare at yourself for long enough you can convince yourself you need all this stuff and I feel like I'm satisfied enough with my face usually that I won't need it but there's always that part of you that worries like I'm going to get so bad again like, once all this stuff is done that it's all going to flare up around there, and I'll know there's a surgery for that. The mm-hmm. other thing is also, yeah. yeah, and the other thing is also, like, voice stuff. Like, I can get, I've been offered, like, voice coaching and stuff, but, like, I always thought, oh, no, I'll be fine, I'll be able to sort it on my own, I'm doing pretty well. And I would like that now. <laughs> yeah, the, the voice training. Yeah, uh. It's these things like mochas, like because oh, most people do it themselves and they're fine with that and it's fine. And I don't, I have, I have a mobile phone voice and I started with, but I'm not like, I'm not at the point where like I'm 100% like on the phone and being gendered right. And that's frustrating. At the same time, I don't feel like if, it's a lot of effort to go into. And the hope that I would, that I could just like grow into it naturally is still there just because it saved me a lot of time and a lot of train journeys and. I don't know, sort of, that, a lot of that sort of flares up the story for me, like having to take the step, like going and basically being retraining my voice. I think that for that, that made me very aware of it, like more aware than usual. Like, so when I, so I shave my face every day. Um, I've got quite patchy facial hair now. I've, I did some laser. It's a lot of it's come back. I try to get new one sorted, but it's a nightmare and it might take a while. 
Um, usually shaving is necessary for me to be happy with my face. But because estrogen has changed my skin, so it's all um, soft and thin, um, I usually either cut myself or get razor burn. And both those things are very obvious on my face unless I'm wearing lots of makeup. So usually I'd be wearing makeup just to cover that. And that's a conservative solution to a problem that can be fixed with very expensive stuff. And I feel like a lot of this comes down to the fact that most stuff that trans people need is either inaccessible or horrendously expensive. And a lot of us find ways to deal with it that are good for a while, but not what you'd hope. And I sort of sit there and I feel like I shave and I think, oh, cis women don't need to do this. And that's not true. Lots of cis women do. But for there is that thought, like this, that thought sometimes, you know, when you cut yourself and stuff and it's like, I shouldn't have to do this. And that's when it comes back and it's, and it sits you there and this story looks at you and goes, you're different. Look how different you are. And usually that's yeah. a short burst these days, but that's sort of it. Like so sometimes, like it's the same, sort of same way with people clocking you. It's like you, it's like you clock yourself and it can be quite distressing. I don't know yeah. if there was a point in there. I think I basically did five different tangents and turned it into like a clump well, of speech. But <laughs> I have a response, so it made sense enough for me to have a response. Okay. Uh, because I agree that I, I actually do find some comfort from knowing that there are cis people who deal with the same things that I'm dealing with. Yeah. Like, there are, like, I am an attractive person. I know this because people have told me this. I'm not going to <laughs> deny it and be a jackass. I'm attractive. <laughs> it was very easy for me as a female presenting person to feel attractive and to receive attention for being attractive. Whereas now that my appearance is more masculine, I don't get like I don't get the attention very much that makes me feel like I'm attractive. And part of that I think is because it's a problem with men in general. Yeah. That they aren't made to feel attractive um, or, you know, the, the be- quote-unquote beauty standards for men are, like, you have to be really ripped and beefy and tall and have a big dick and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I can... It actually does help with, like, bottom dysphoria to know that there are, like, cis men with micropenises. Yeah. Who, like, are literally dealing with exactly the same self-esteem issues that I have in that regard. And it's also not their fault. It's just a thing that happened to them. And it's something that, like, treatment of basically a hormone deficiency won't ever fix once it's... Like, you're stuck there once it's stuck there. (laughs) (laughs) There's not really a lot you can do. Mm. And uh, it's a lot more difficult to erect a pole than to dig a hole. As they say, we're coming along. <laughs> coming along, we're getting there eventually. Maybe in like ten years. Yeah, this is the thing that I got brought up like last time. I was talking to my therapist about surgery options. Is that she said like, well, now trans people out in the media, like surgery options going to get better and better now. And it's like, I agree, but also I need it now. <laughs> yeah. And that's tricky because I think when I started, like, you know, everyone sees these stories about, say, um, like, uterine transplants and um, there are all the promises there that people are doing for a very, very small percentage of cis women who are born without wombs. And then we're looking at that and thinking, oh, that'll be great. And then all the doctors are like, oh, we never pictured that. And it's like, why? There's loads more trans women than this condition. But now that yeah. trans people are seen as like a, something that can be a, like a subject of research and a, group popula- a, group, a population that's actually recognised, a lot of this will improve. But at the same time, like at the, at, at the beginning, I was there and I was like, I'll wait till the I'll wait till the stem cell stuff. I'll wait for the stem cell treatment. We've been waiting for stem cell treatment for like twenty five fucking years at this point. It's coming along very slowly because that's the way science works. You got to be rigorous yeah. and it's got to be good. It's got to be safe when it comes out. And I understand that, but I'm very impatient. And I would like. I mean, to be didn't able to they grow? <laughs> didn't they grow a vagina in a, in a lab in the last couple of years? Yeah, it's like incredibly difficult to do because it's actually quite a large organ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These, these these things happen, but it's like you need animal testing first, you need all that stuff. Um, 
And stem cell treatment in general is going to be ridiculously expensive because it's very specific to the individual. And then you have to grow it in a, like a very specialist, um, under very special conditions. Like if, I feel like it's the same with anyone with like lab grown meat. Like we can do it now, but it's going to take a while before it's um, cheap enough for people to get a hold of it. Yeah, and to reasonably afford yeah, it. Yeah. So in the future, like in a hundred years, if we're still alive, um, it'll be really good. Um, let's hope Trump doesn't nuke the planet before then. But in the meantime, well, there's always hope. We won't be around to care. <laughs> <laughs> I might be. <laughs> if if he nukes the whole planet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I was borrowing off of your phraseology there. Right, okay, it's kind of they didn't let my track go past an hour and a half in length. So, here we go. We're at the 12 second mark again. Yeah, this will just be, uh, this episode's already going to be complicated to edit because of um, introductions and stuff, so it's fine. Yeah. It's not going to take me much longer than normal to tack a bit at the end, especially if I've got your, uh, us talking there to match it up with. Good shit. That's the name, name that Cat Part 2 or something. Cat Part 2. Yeah. Return of uh, the feline. Whiskers. Oh, that's even better. Return of the Whiskers. Whiskers Revenge. Whiskers Revenge. (laughs) That's like, is that, uh, that's a great name for a trans woman's five o'clock shadow. Oh, it is. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm so glad that you enjoyed that. I did. I'm I'm just Googling Whiskers Revenge. It's got to be a thing. (laughs) God damn it. It's a thing. (laughs) You can't steal it. It's already taken. What is it? It seems to be a YouTube video about cat. Oh, well, no. Or it's about pirates and skeletons. What? I don't know. What? You said Whiskers Revenge? Oh, Mr. Whiskers Revenge. Or what are you talking about? It's Whiskers Revenge on here. I I don't know. Is it by Canadian Umbrella Tree? I have no idea. This is incredibly confusing. I don't Either know. Way, it's not that popular. Anyway, it also doesn't matter. <laughs> so you yes. tell me what doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't know what matters to me. Oh, yes. <laughs> God. All right, that was good. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. cool. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Um... Not particularly. I, I mean, the uh, the only other really thing that I have dysphoria about is, like, my facial hair. Um, and it's not even a big deal, especially because I can see it coming in and I don't have very high expectations because, like, my dad doesn't have a huge amount of facial hair. Like, that's yeah. one of the things about dysphoria is that I think it's important to be realistic about your expectations and it can be difficult. But, like, the best thing you can do is if you have... Um, the best thing would be if you have a sibling who's a full-blooded sibling of your quote-unquote target gender and compare and be like, okay, well, you have, like, a lot of chest hair, so I can expect to have a reasonably large amount of chest hair or whatever. Like, my closest blood relative um, is my father because my brother is a a half-sibling. So, like, my dad is my only thing to go off of, and I'm like, well... Apparently, I'm going to keep a pretty decent full head of hair. I might not have very great facial hair and mm. not a very big dick, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you get stuck with that. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, aside from that, like, I don't know. I just generally want to say that, like, having dysphoria, it, it is a big deal for people who aren't trans. They need to know that it is actually a problem that's... Yeah bad enough to push us to committing suicide. Yeah. And I think that, I honestly think that more people, more trans people need to know that like being dysphoric is okay. And yeah. like, which is, it's, it's just a shitty thing to say like that I feel, but like, it's okay. Like, it, yeah, you're, you're in a lot of pain and shit sucks a lot, mm. but like, it's not the literal end of the world or it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Because there are solutions. 
And sometimes yeah. all you have to do is, like, make a plan, and once you have the plan established, it can really make things a lot easier for you to deal with. If you make a plan for how to address and target and eliminate the things that are making you dysphoric, you will feel better for just having done the planning. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic note to end on, actually. So, Cool. Um, yeah, as you want to wrap things up. Yeah, so that was our podcast on dysphoria. It was a little bit rambly, and we were both kind of out of it, but hopefully it was yeah. semi-coherent. Yeah, <laughs> it was going to be a nightmare to edit, so hopefully it's, co- oh, yeah. it's actually legible <laughs> at the end. It's going to be a lot of fun. I enjoy looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it as well. Oh, I'm going to meet some sound effects in the middle, I think. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we really hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's podcast. Uh, catch us next week when we're talking about something else that's probably trans-related, if I had to guess. <laughs> I imagine it will be. I as always, our uh, theme music is Runaway by George Gad. Go buy his stuff if you haven't already. Um, he's pretty, pretty chill, pretty chill dude. He's pretty chill. Um, yeah. I've, I've, oh yeah. Also, oh, this stuff. This is the stuff I'm gonna need to get used to. Um, Transatlanticpod at gmail.com. Email us questions. I didn't check any this week because I checked a few days ago and there weren't any. But if you want to send us an email, um, we will endeavor to answer it if it's a good question, and it probably will be. Because um, why wouldn't it? I'm sure you're very intelligent people. Yes. So yeah, and you can Transit- also find us on other places. <laughs> yeah, transatlanticpod at gmail. And then you can find us on Twitter and Facebook uh, with the at uh, transatl podcast. Yes. Yeah, handle. I believe. So. Yes, we are available and we will be... I mean, we might be we might be less coherent over those things. I don't know. I was about to say we'll be much more clear. But I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> don't um, want to make any promises you can't keep. No, we'll promise to be just as um, incomprehensible in yeah. online as. Well, we're both online, both cases. Oh, oh no! We're <laughs> <laughs> incoherent. Oh God. Okay, we're incoherent. It's time to wrap it up. We love you guys. Yep. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh, cat! you might not even hear this part for reasons. Because you might just skip over it in the editing because you know that there's a big solid chunk where people aren't talking. But I'm just scrolling through my Facebook. I saw an ad for a t-shirt that says, I'm emo, but in a Gerard way. Which is only fucking funny if you know the names of the band members of My Chemical Romance. Oh my god. <laughs>